<laughs> Heavenly Father, we thank you for this Easter day. Thank you that we can celebrate that Jesus is alive, that he rules and that he reigns as your forever king. And we thank you for the peace that we can have in him. Amen. Uh, some of you might be familiar with this cartoon character. He is indeed the famous character known as Popeye. And Popeye is famous for eating what? Spinach. That's right. Whenever he breaks open a can of spinach and eats it, he gains enormous biceps and strength. Popeye was even employed, may you don't know this, he was employed by the US government during World War II to promote the idea of eating spinach because meat was quite rare uh, during, the during the war, but spinach was a great substitute for meat because apparently in the 1890s, long before World War II, German scientists discovered that spinach contained the same amount of iron as meat. And iron, of course, is one of the important ingredients for having super strength. But the facts are wrong. The German scientists did prove that spinach does contain high amounts of iron, but when they wrote down the amount... They put the decimal point in the wrong place and so they overestimated the amount of iron in spinach by a factor of 10. They said that spinach was 10 times more powerful in iron than it actually was. And it raises an important idea, doesn't it? That false ideas can quickly become accepted truth. So that you think now that if you eat a can of spinach... No spinach comes in cans. That you think that you can look like Popeye now, but sadly. And it's not uncommon in the area of religion for people to quickly give unquestionable status to beliefs that ought to be questioned. And of course, this day is a day like none other on the Christian calendar. For today, Christians will celebrate as... 2,000 years, one significant belief that Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who died, rose back to life again, resurrected from the grave. And for many of us who are Christians, that just rolls off the tongue. On an Easter day like today, we say, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. We don't even give too much thought to it. But that is an incredible thing that we believe almost unbelievable those who aren't christians out in our world and maybe you're visiting us this morning that is unbelievable is it not that a man who is dead could come out of the grave have you ever questioned it have you christian ever doubted whether it was true or not we should never be afraid to doubt friends never be afraid to ask questions when an extraordinary claim is made it needs to have extraordinary evidence we should never be afraid to ask because i believe particularly when it comes to christianity 
the more we investigate, the more we search, the more we ask questions, the greater our understanding and our faith in God can be. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to relive that first Easter and see just how incredible it is, how true it is, and what it means for our life. So I want you to start with me at the empty tomb. Empty tomb, John 21 to 18. I want you to imagine with me that you are a woman. Now, for some of you, that'll be easier than others. But I want you to imagine with me that you are a woman and your name is Mary Magdalene. Is this working okay? Do you want me to change? is Mary Magdalene. You've been a devoted follower of Jesus of Nazareth for almost three years. You've listened to him speak. You've seen him engage great crowds with his teaching. You've witnessed him do some incredible miraculous work, some personally to you. And then two days ago, you watched him, your friend, hanging on a cross And he died, crushed, crucified like a common criminal. Even though you knew he was innocent, even though you knew he didn't deserve to die, but nevertheless, he was still dead. Yet you still love Jesus. And so you are eager to go to his tomb, to his gravesite, and anoint his body with spices. And so now it's it's Sunday morning. It's very early in the morning and whilst it's still dark because you haven't slept, you head out to the tomb and, and you reach the tomb just as the sun begins to rise and you are astonished because you see that the stone that was in front of the tomb has been rolled away. Now, who could move such a stone? Didn't the Roman government put a seal on that stone? Who would dare break a Roman seal and desecrate a tomb? That's a capital offence. Who would do that? But you head on inside the tomb. And then you are even more astonished. Because the body that you expect to be there, the body that you have brought expensive spices to anoint, is no longer there. What, what, is, what is going on? Has someone come and stolen the body of Jesus? Who would do that? The, the Roman guards that were here? At the, no, no, they wouldn't do that because it was their job to stop people from doing this. The Jewish leaders asked that a Roman guard be stationed at the tomb to protect this tomb from anybody who would want to steal the body. No, no, what's going on? My friends, the disciples, have they snuck in, somehow managed to tranquilize the guards, opened this tomb and taken off with the body? No. They're all back at the house in the upper room. They're all too scared to even come outside right now. They're even too scared to come with me to anoint the body of Jesus. No, it can't be them. You have no idea what's happened. Grave robbers? 
Have some filthy grave robbers come in here and taken off with a body? Why would they do that? And then you notice that they've left behind all the expensive linen and spices that were already there. Why, why would they take off with a worthless corpse but leave all the expensive stuff behind? That makes no sense. You have no idea what's happened. But you are still sad. And you begin to cry. But then in the dim light of the tomb, you see a white light. You move in a little bit closer. What is that? Is that, is that an angel? It's an angel. And you fall to the ground. You weep in front of him. You say, someone has taken my Lord away and I don't know where they have put him. Please help. Suddenly at that moment, you turn your head around because you hear somebody else walking into the tomb. Now, with the darkness of the tomb and the tears that are already filling your eyes, it's difficult to see. And you think, is, is that the gardener? Maybe, maybe it's the gardener. Sir, have you moved the body? If so, please tell me. Then you hear the man speak. Mary. Jesus? You you wipe your eyes because you can't quite believe it. Jesus, is that you? It is you. You embrace him with joy. You hold on to him tightly. This is no ghost. This is real. This is Jesus. You are alive. You were dead. I, I can't believe that you're here, but you're here. How exciting. Can you try and put yourself in Mary's shoes that first Easter morning? What an incredible experience it would have been. A couple of years ago, I heard this great story about this one-year-old German shepherd dog named Luna. Uh, This dog lived with her owner and was out on a fishing trip off a, a little island off San Diego on the west coast of the United States. And sadly, she fell off the boat. And after hours of searching... They couldn't find her and they presumed that she was lost at sea. Boat returned to shore, to the island, and uh, they tried to move on in their grief and their sadness. And then five weeks later, five weeks later, there was some naval personnel on the island and they discovered this German shepherd dog on the side of a path, just sitting there wagging its tail, looking very excited to see them, And this island has no domesticated pets on it. And so they had the only conclusion that they could have, this must have been the German shepherd that was lost at sea. And they worked out what had happened. She must have swum to shore and survived for five weeks just eating the rats and the mice on the island. And when the owner discovered that her dog was alive, can you imagine how she felt? I have a dog. Dog lovers, you know how you feel. When your dog runs away and then your dog comes home, it is an absolute joy and relief. Now, I guess that pales in comparison to how Mary felt when she saw Jesus alive because he wasn't just lost, he was dead and now he is alive. And to prove he was alive, Jesus would later appear in the upper room to his disciples. If you look at John chapter 20, verse 19, it's a great expression 
of the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus. In the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples were gathered together with the doors locked because of their fear of the Jews. Then Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace to you. Having said this, he showed them his hands and his side. So the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus proves that he is alive, but it wasn't just something that Mary imagined. Like, he, you know, she was so overwhelmed with grief that she resurrected Jesus in her heart or something like that. No, he really did rise from the dead and he showed himself, not just to Mary, but to the disciples here in the upper room. But one of them's missing. Did you notice that? Thomas, the disciple Thomas is missing. For a reason we do not know, Thomas was taking a Sunday night off church. And when you take a Sunday night off church, you often miss out on something incredible. And he did. But the disciples didn't leave Thomas. Like good Christians, they followed him up. Verse 25. So the other disciples kept telling him, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. We have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, If I don't see the mark of the nails on his hands, put my finger into the marks of the nails and put my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas doubts. Thomas questions whether a man can really come back from the dead. But Thomas's doubt is soon about to change into delight. The next verse, a week later. After eight days, his disciples were indoors again and Thomas was with them. Hey, Thomas is back at church. Christian discipleship and follow-up works. Even though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. He said, peace to you. This is the second time Jesus has said that. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and observe my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Don't be an unbeliever, but a believer. Now, we don't know whether Thomas actually took up that request of Jesus and actually stuck his fingers in. But what Thomas does next is incredible. He moves from doubt to delight. Thomas responded to him, my Lord and my God. And you notice that Jesus never rebukes Thomas for his doubt. He never says, why are you not, you know, believing in, why are you having all these questions and doubts? He never gets angry at Thomas because it's okay to ask questions. It's okay to doubt. You shouldn't believe everything that you hear. It's right to seek evidence for extraordinary claims. But neither does Jesus want Thomas to sit in his doubt. He wants him to move through it and he wants him to delight in him. And Thomas is indeed doing that at the end. My Lord and my God. He worships Jesus as he would worship God himself. Now, of course, there are still many doubting Thomases in our world today. People who are sceptical that Jesus really did exist people who are sceptical that Jesus either died or particularly whether he rose again from the dead. And some people accuse Christians of believing despite the evidence. But I want to say this morning that that is simply not true. 
most Christians believe because of the evidence. The evidence that's recorded for us in the Scriptures, the evidence of history itself. And one thing that it's convinced me of the truth and reality of the resurrection of Jesus is that in those days, and just after those days, a group of Jewish men and women changed their worldview almost overnight. A group of devout Jewish men and women just suddenly changed their worldview overnight and became followers of Jesus and worshipped him as their Lord and their God. This scared group of disciples hiding in an upper room a few days later will become bold proclaimers of the risen Jesus in front of thousands of people. And then Christianity as a world religion would explode onto the pages of history and spread across the world. That wouldn't have happened if something extraordinary didn't happen that first Easter. And that's convinced me that Jesus must have risen from the dead. Jesus is alive. He's still alive. Do you believe it? Now, maybe you're still wrestling with whether to believe it or not. And maybe you have another question. And the question might be, well, what does it matter anyway? Why should I care whether he's alive or not? Well, I want to suggest that because Jesus is alive, that changes everything. And let me just share with you two quick things this morning about that change. The first is, like what we heard with Clarence, that you can have peace. There are many things that can cause us anxiety in our lives, our family, our work, our finances, our health. But if the resurrection of Jesus didn't happen, there will be something worse that we ought to be anxious about. And that is our relationship with God. As we talked with Clarence earlier, we've often said no to God, treated him as if he doesn't even exist. There is a relational problem that we have with him. But Jesus' death and resurrection changes that completely. Did you catch those first words of Jesus that he spoke to his disciples when he entered into the room? What did he say? Peace to you. And he actually said it three times. Verse 19 verse 21, and then specifically to Thomas in verse 26, peace to you. These are the first words that Jesus says to his disciples after his disciples have abandoned him on Good Friday, didn't stop the crucifixion, didn't stand up for him, denied him and rejected him. The first words that Jesus says to them when he meets them on Easter Sunday night is not, where were you? Why didn't you stand up for me? No, the first words he says is, peace to you. Because I have paid for your rejection. I have paid for your denial. I have paid for your betrayal. I have paid for all of your sins and everybody's sins in the world. You are forgiven. You have peace with me and with God. We are friends. Peace. And not just to the 11 disciples there, but that offer of peace is to anybody who would put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. The resurrection of Jesus means that our mistakes, friends, our shame, our guilt need not burden us any longer, but we can find freedom 
and peace in Christ. And secondly, the resurrection of Jesus means that we have real hope now, a real hope for the future, because we no longer need to be paralysed by fear of what might happen to us after we die. We can have hope, because Jesus has conquered death, and he has promised that he will raise all people back to life, just like he did, And if our trust is in him, then we will have the joy of living forever with him and his heavenly father in a new heaven, in a new earth, where there'll be no more death, no more evil, no more suffering, no more pain, no more tears, for he will wipe them away once and for all. Hope. The resurrection of Jesus changes everything. Peace now. No more burdens, no more guilt, no more shame and real hope for the future. I don't have to fear death and what will lay beyond. So let me leave you with this question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? John finishes his gospel in John chapter 20 verse 30 and 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe. Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and by believing you may have life in his name. The reason John wrote his biography of Jesus is so that we might believe and by believing find that life that only he can give. Do you believe? That was the response of Mary, she believed. That was the eventual response of Thomas, he believed. And thousands of Christians are gathering together today on Easter Sunday because they believe too. Do you believe? I know that many of you here today do believe this. You're here because you want to celebrate that Jesus is alive. But let me encourage you, don't just celebrate today. Share this good news There are many doubting Thomases, I'm sure, in your family and amongst your friendship network. Don't just leave them in their doubt. Pursue them like the disciples did with Thomas. Follow them up. We have seen the Lord. I know the Lord is risen from the dead. Let me show you from the scriptures. Let me show you why I believe that this is true. Don't just celebrate it. Show it and share it. But maybe some of you here are doubting like Thomas. You have questions. Maybe you just came here this morning because a family member dragged you here. Or you found a postcard in your letterbox, you thought, I'll give it a go. But you have questions, you have doubts about whether following Jesus really is worth it. You can't even imagine what it might be like to be a Christian. What will your friends and family think if you become a Christian? Well, can I encourage you this morning? You don't need to make a decision today. Why don't you come and join me for the One Life Christianity Explored course and pursue your doubts and ask your questions. I can't promise that you'll come out looking like Popeye, but it may indeed change your life. But some of you here this morning, you know the facts of the resurrection. You know that it's true, but you've been putting off giving your life to Christ, that you can't hand over control to him because you want to hold on to that yourself. But you know that he really is the reigning and ruling king. 
and that you need to give your life to him. He's the only one that can release you from your burdens, from the guilt and shame that you have. He's the only one that can give answers to your doubts and your questions. And if that is you this morning and you want to commit your life to Christ, then I want to give you an opportunity to do that right now. Inside your service sheet, there is a prayer. Uh, A simple prayer. There's no magic words in this prayer. It's just a prayer expressing a desire to be real with God and to embrace Jesus as your risen King. I'm going to read it and pray it slowly. And if you would like to embrace this as your prayer today, then just echo it along in your mind. Don't pray it out loud. Just echo it in your mind and come to Christ today. Let us pray. Dear God, I know that I am not worthy to be accepted by you. I don't deserve your gift of eternal life. I am guilty of rebelling against you and ignoring you. I need forgiveness. Thank you for sending your son to die for me that I might be forgiven. Thank you that he rose from the dead to give me new life. Please forgive me. And please change me that I may live with Jesus as my ruler.